Good morning again. Everybody's all festive, and or maybe you're festived out. Maybe you're not so festive, but <clears throat> we've we've moved in the calendar from Advent and Christmas time. I know some of y'all do that twelve day Christmas thing. So you're still in Christmas time. I don't want to take that from you. Um, we're not there. Okay, we are wrapping things up, and actually have wrapped things up, and we're looking toward. New Year's now, right? Which is this coming week, which is Tuesday night. Clock ticks over, 12.01. It's New Year's Day. It's 2020. I don't know how you all handle New Year's, but I don't, I don't do well at New Year's. I'm just going to open up and bare my soul a little bit, okay? <clears throat> I don't like it. And this is not a setup. I'm just telling you, I don't like it makes me sad a hundred percent of the time one one hundred percent and it's a combination of things i think <clears throat> it's usually cold weather which we're i guess that's coming for us but there's the post christmas letdown and i know that the cold dark months of january and february are looming which i'm just like oh that's coming and chiefly, what makes me sad is the passing of a year. Thinking about what was, what has been. And, and if, I, if I'm honest with myself and with you guys this morning, it feels like loss to me. I feel like I'm losing what happened in the past year. And I know that's not true because all of the past was experienced, it's memories, and it's how life goes. We haven't lost anything if we've experienced it. It's kind of part of us in a way, and that's a good thing. But it still feels like I'm leaving it behind. I can remember all the good stuff. I don't think about the bad stuff much, but I think about the good stuff. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it behind. And to me, as well, I have the dread of what's coming up. The constant uncertainty of the future everybody's like you're bumming me out dude I'm like, sorry just trying to be honest here okay the future is not tangible right it exists outside of our knowledge anything could happen at any point in the future couldn't it steve we don't know now you're saying well good things can happen too that's true but we don't know and there's not a blamed thing we could do about it either. What will happen in the coming year? Don't know. And I don't like not knowing. So New Year's feels like I'm losing what I do know, what I've enjoyed in the past, and the only thing I have is the uncertainty of the future to look forward to. So yeah, I don't, I don't care for it much. Oh, and I've tried to handle it better. I'm a therapist, right? trying to make plans and goals and expectations for the coming year, but I'm just going to be honest with you, it hadn't worked very well for me in experience. I just still don't like New Year's. Now, take that and put it in context of today. We have New Year's coming up Wednesday, but the, we also have the end of a decade, right? The 2010s will be over. We're moving into the roaring 20s, right? <laughs> 
start of a new decade, 2020, is coming at you this Wednesday. So how do you think I'm doing with that? Yeah, no, is the answer to that. I'm not. But there has been some good therapy for me in this. I've done a lot of thinking about the past decade, where I've been, what I've done, what God has done. And I have also, in my thinking and processing, made some forays, which is a great word, by the way, foray. Foray. Chris, say foray. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's an inside joke. We'll talk about that in a second, though. I've made some forays into the future, thinking about what it may look like this coming year, this coming decade, and such. What, what in the world will my life and the world be like in 2030? I don't know, right? See, I'll bum you out with me. We don't know. But that's what I want to present to you this morning. Not just for my sake, but for ours as a church a trip down memory lane of sorts, a look back at where we've been, where we've come from, and hopefully a trip into the future to cast some vision, to set some expectation, to encourage, possibly even excite, to prepare for what God wants for and from us. And what I'm going to do, we've actually, this is a little bit different than standard operating procedure. We do have some public reading, but it's one, two, three, four, five, six different passages. They're short, so don't freak out on me. So we're going to stand forever. We're not going to stand forever. But if you would please stand as we read these passages that we'll get to as we progress this morning. The first one is Psalm 39.4. The very words of God. O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Psalm 90.12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts... He will be blessed in his doing. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. Hopefully you can recite this, by the way. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Philippians 4, 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And finally, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pray. God, we do come this morning to look into your perfect word. And we pray that your word would be an x-ray into our hearts. Show us who we are and help us not to despair, knowing that our sins, they are many, but your mercy is more. And where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And God, things that have been good or bad in the past, things that will be good or bad in the future, are all in your hands. 
So we entrust ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, teach us, instruct us, convict us, draw us to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray and ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I want to start, um, I want to think about what has happened in this past year. But I want to think about it in terms of what we've done here, specifically on Sunday morning. Okay? I want to think about and process the messages that have been uh, brought from that lectern in this pulpit over this past year. Okay? Um, I look back and um, we started our first Sunday of this year. I don't remember the date. It was January something. Uh, We were in Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32, where Jesus was talking about divorce. That's where we started the year. Okay? And just so you know, we had started in Matthew uh, in September of 2018. I said, I think the last time I spoke, I said I I didn't know when we started Matthew. We started in September 2018. But at the beginning of this year, we found ourselves eh, far into Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And through the process of 2018, um, we went from there and we've come to the end of chapter 12. So we've, we've traversed 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 7 plus chapters this year from the pulpit of Matthew. Not, not Matthew's pulpit, but you know what I'm saying. So we started in Matthew 5.31, the king's command on divorce. Then we went to the king's command on oaths. O-A-T-H-S, oaths. The king's command on revenge was next. The king's command concerning your enemies. The king demands good deeds. The king commands secret prayer. The king's directions for prayer. The king's directions for fasting. The king's directions for treasures. The king's advice for anxiety. Then there was the specs, logs, dogs, and hogs message. I don't know if you remember that. The king is not mentioned in that one because specs, logs, dogs, and hogs just works too well. Okay. (laughs) Go back and look that one up. That's uh, that's really what we called it. We, that's what I called it. Okay, let's just say it that way. The king's directions for human relationships. The king's two roads. The king condemns false prophets. The king's judgment. The king's compassion. The king's authority. The king's demands. The king's nap. The king's determination. The king's forgiveness. The king's mission. The king's renovation. The king's resurrection power. The king explains believers and beholders, the king's laborers, the king's men, the king's provision, the king's warning, the king's preparations, the king's sword, the king's answer, and oops, the king's warning again. Didn't know that those were the same title that far out. The king's sovereign grace, the king's directions for the Sabbath, the king's blueprint, the king's condemnation, parts one and two, the king's sign, and the king's relationships. And then we moved into Advent where we talked about hope. We talked about the light of the world. We talked about Jesus being wonderful. And we talked about glory. And here we are today. That's where we've been on Sunday mornings this past year. 
Now let me ask you a different question. Where have you been in the past year? What has happened in your life over the past year? I ask this because hopefully where you've been and what we've covered here on Sunday morning are very closely related. Because if it's not, we are failing as a church. If these messages from Matthew have not affected your life, we are doing something wrong. And this is really the thrust of what I want to explore today. How is what we are hearing from God's Word in our Sunday messages changing our lives? Is deficient thinking being corrected? Are sinful habits being changed? Are marriages being strengthened? Are anxieties being alleviated? If they're not, we're failing. Is seeing Jesus portrayed as the king of the universe who fills David's throne, is that helping you place your trust in him for all things? Is seeing prophecies fulfilled in and through Jesus growing your faith in God's promises? If not, we're doing something wrong. And we need to address that. And I'm not going to beat you up this morning. That's not my goal. That's not my plan. Quite the opposite, hopefully. And looking over this past year just serves as a springboard into looking at what's happened over the past decade. Let's go there briefly if we can. 2010. 2010, I didn't know most of you people sitting in this room. I was an elder at Living Truth Fellowship, and we were meeting in an old union hall, and you think that floor's bad. Shoo, we got that lapped. That, the floor, the front part of that floor literally sunk down, and if you went underneath it, you could see it, and when people stepped on it, you could see it moving. There was no support, no bracing. Here's a pick. Here's me, 10 years ago, January 1st. Funny, I don't look much different. Maybe a little thinner. 10 years and probably 50 pounds ago, I think. But my family and I had left New Covenant Church in Crab Orchard as a pastor to come be with Living Truth as a church plant, which is really a startup. And to be honest with you, things were hard there. They were good, but they were hard. And we finally reached a place as a church where we wondered if we should keep doing what we were doing. Talks of locking the door, closing up shop. And then we were approached by some crazy folks from a church called Providence Bible Church. They, too, were wondering if they should keep doing what they were doing as a church. And the idea was floated to possibly merge these two groups into one. Andrew McKay was in the room where it happened. In the room where it happened. And by God's grace, those two churches merged. Our first service was, anybody? Anybody remember the date? It was Cinco de Mayo. May 5th, 2013. Quite a sight to see all those people in the Seventh-day Adventist building that day. Here's that picture. There's some little folk up there that ain't little no more, y'all. 
quite a sight. Each of our four elders spoke briefly on what we thought were to be foundational concepts as these two bodies became one. I I remember that pretty well. My passage was Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, exclamation point, which is not inspired, but I like it. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Where has God commanded the blessing? Where brothers dwell in unity. And what a beautiful thought, what a beautiful message to think about bringing these two groups together, making them one and saying, let's live in unity. Now, have we always lived in unity? No, a lot of those people, they're not here anymore. Some of them got uppity and moved away. A lot has happened in six and a half years, or five and a half years, I guess, five, five and a half years. Is that right? No, six and a half years. My math skills, you know, it's this. A lot's happened. But I was thinking this morning, as I watched the body come up and partake of the table, I thought about those six and a half years. And I thought about how much I've been blessed. My family's been blessed by the people in this room. And not just the people in this room, but everybody that's come and gone since then. How good it's been. How hard it's been. I don't know if y'all know, but there was a point after May 5th, 2013, when three guys sat down and said, are we going to keep doing what we're doing or not? A lot of Sundays I sat on my couch and cried. With my life. Because it's hard. People coming, people going, things changing, an uncertain future. And through it all, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I hear Don say it a lot, and I would echo it. Over and over again. I don't know that I've ever been happier in a church setting than I'm in right now. And that's a testimony to the grace of God. That's a testimony to your faithfulness. And I'm glad. It's good. It's pleasant. It's not always easy. It's good. It's pleasant. Because there, here, God has commanded the blessing. As we do life together, as we share church life, as we come in and gather around the Word of God, in the Spirit of God, for the glory of God, God has commanded the blessing. So this, thinking about the past decade and coming together, May 5th, 2013, and what's happened since then, I want to tell you what we've covered from the pulpit and the lecterns in our time together as I about said New Covenant Church, as Providence Bible Church. I do that a lot. My brain says New Covenant. And I don't know. But this is what we've covered the whole time we've been together, okay? We had a foundation series at the beginning where we basically were teaching theology and, and what we believe 
was faithful to Scripture as far as views on what it means to be born again, who God is, what the Trinity is all about, sanctification, all those things. That, that started us out. Then the first book that we went through, anybody remember? Everybody's like, was it, was it, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't that. Philippians. Philippians was the first book we went through together as a merged body. Then we moved into the Gospel of John. Out of John, we went into Romans, and we pitched our tent there for a while, didn't we? After Romans, we went into Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Malachi. Remember Esther? We did the, the celebration here that Wednesday night of Purim. That was fun, right? We covered the intertestamental period after we went through Malachi, and then we arrived in Matthew. So... Foundations, Philippians, John, Romans, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Malachi, intertestamental period, Matthew. And of course in there, there were Resurrection Sundays and Advent messages. That's where we've been. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. And a lot has happened in the time represented by those books being taught. Something significant happened in June of 2016. We installed Don Smith as elder which was coaxium in our combustion chamber. It really pushed us forward. Some of you are going, what's coaxium? <laughs> it was a good thing, okay? It was good. It really helped us. helped push us forward. <laughs> now, we were told um, later that summer, 2016, that we had to um, get out of the Adventist building which we knew was coming, but we just didn't know when. Now, we looked at a lot of buildings. We made a lot of plans, had a lot of thoughts. And uh, Steve Kemper must have said 15 or 20 times through that process that God was going to drop something better in our laps than we could think about or imagine after looking at dumps and unfinished buildings and maybe we could spend all the money we have and possibly get a place to meet at least. And in the fall of 2016, we were offered this place, benevolently, by the MSBA. Alan said, why don't you let us give you a shelter in the storm, was the phrase that he used. He said, come and meet there, and if you happen to join the association, we'll just deed the building to you, everything will be fine. If not, at least you've had a time of respite so that you can find something better. And he had ulterior motives, I'm sure, and... He knew that if we met here a little bit, we couldn't pry people out of here with a crowbar, which was true. And we've been here ever since. We were formally admitted into the Mountain State Baptist Association at the annual meeting in 2017. We have pictures there. It was a good time. Things have been good with the association. That's been a blessing and a help to us for sure. Um, running with people, not away from people. Hey, we, we've done a lot of running, brother. <laughs> Around those times, we actually had a radio broadcast on WAY that covered our whole Roman study. It's called Providence Bible Hour. And we were glad to share the message of Romans with the radio audience. We saw a lot of action on our podcast site through the radio uh, broadcasts. Right now, we probably, I don't know, 20, 25 downloads a week on our messages. Let me just throw out some numbers just so you know what kind of impact that that radio 
broadcast had, Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, there were 82 downloads of that message. Now listen to this. Between, there were three, uh, three messages between Romans 8 and 9. One had 91 downloads. One had 92. And one out of Romans 9 had 151 downloads. And again, we're averaging about 20 now. That's, that's fine. I mean, we... So the radio, radio show had an impact and had a reach that we couldn't have reached in and of ourselves being here. And I'm not throwing those numbers out to say, wow, downloads, we're cool, we're relevant. I'm just saying it, it, was, it shows that there was impact made through your investment because it was your money that was paying for that radio broadcast, the money that you give here in the offering box. And we reached a lot of people, praise God, with the message of Romans. What was Steve reading from this morning, right? It was Romans. Every message we have comes back to Romans, right? It seems like it. So it was good. All that stuff that we covered from foundations up to Matthew and everything in between, it's good. But now let me ask you this. Let me present this to you. It's a better way of saying it. None of this stuff. None of it. The teaching, the past, the history, the experiences, none of it matters if it's not changing your life. None of it matters if you're not more like Jesus in 2020 than you were in 2019. If you're not more like Jesus in 2020 than you were in 2010. It doesn't matter. It's a noisy gong, it's a clanging cymbal. If it's not making you more like Jesus. What good is Philippians, which is talking about joy in all circumstances? What good is John, which is showing us that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh? What good is Romans, which showed us salvation by grace through faith? What good is Ezra, which referred to purity and faithfulness to the Word of God? What good is Nehemiah, which is a revival text? What good is Esther talking about a sovereign God? What good is Malachi that refers to the covenant of God that he keeps and we break? What good is talking about the intertestamental period where we see that God has had a plan and will continue to have a plan? What good is Matthew and seeing Jesus as king if it's not affecting your life and changing it? It's not worth anything. And hopefully we've been faithful to plant good seed in your hearts. And hopefully, you've been faithful to take that seed and to share it with other people. And that seed has grown up and produced crops and fruit in your life, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But I know the enemy, and we'll talk about in Matthew 13 when we get there, the enemy comes and snatches some of that seed away. Sometimes the enemy even sows seed and tears spring up. Sometimes the word becomes unfruitful because the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches creeps in and chokes out the word so that it becomes unfruitful. That happens in all of us. That happens in every church. So where are we? Where have we been? Where are we? Where are we going? What I want to present to you this morning through the scriptures that we looked at before and that we're going to look at again 
is that all this stuff which has been good, which has been hard, which has been bad, which has been everything in between over these last, well, we'll just say six and a half years, this last decade, what do we do with it? It's application time for the decade. I got three points of application this morning based around these scriptures that we looked at earlier. No, that's K-N-O-W. Do, D-O. And B, B-E. For those of y'all taking notes. No, do, be. No, do, be. No, do, be. Do, be, do, be, do, be. No, do, no, do, be. No, do, be. That could go down a wrong bad path. I can't, you know, it's just like it, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the dam breaks and it's just over. So. so in light of where we've been, in light of where we are, in light of where we want to go, how does the word affect you? The first thing that has to happen with the word is that you've got to know it. You've got to know the word. We, we've, we've had enough application points that are Bible, scripture, word, whatever, that are saying, read, study, memorize, meditate on, and know your Bibles. So that's there, but that's not really what I want you to, to know this morning. Let's go back to the Psalms. Psalm 39.4. Oh Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Psalm 90.12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Who's the youngest person we have here? Judah, I guess, right? 20 months. Who's the oldest person we got here? The wizened one, we shall call him. You know what? There's not that much gap between you. Not really. What are you, 70? 20 months, 70 years? In the grand scheme of things, in the scope of things, it's a mist, it's a vapor. And the Apostle Paul would remind us that we're supposed to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're going to blink and it's going to be the next decade if we make it that long. And what I want you to know this morning is your time, your life, the people that you influence, the things going on around you, they matter. And what I want you to know is you don't have much time. Some of you know people that are 100 years old. In the grand scheme of things, it's a blink. We know and we've said time and time again that to the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. And Herb Hodges used to always say if we could lay out eternity on a timeline, your life is just a tiny, 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 tiny dot on that line. If you live 120 years. So we pray this morning, God, make me know my end. What is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. That's not a hopeless feeling. That's an understanding and an appreciation that I've got to make the most of the time that I have. This coming decade. 
is coming weak. I've got to number my days. Why? So that I might get a heart of wisdom and understand what today is about. It's always what? Now. I've got to make the most of now. I've got to learn from the past, plan for the future so that I can live right now and know that this is all i got. And if it stretches out into 120 years, it ain't nothing. But it is preparing me for eternity where I will live forever. And I get to share that good news with other people. Teach us to number our days. God, make us know our end. Help us to know how fleeting we are. We can look back and say, wow, May 5th, 2013 was a long time ago. Not really. May 5th, 2033 is not that far away. May 5th, 2073 is not that far away. So that's what I want you to know this morning. Why? So that we might do. Anybody ever had parents or spouses that went away and you lived like a pig while they were gone? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I'll clean everything up before they get home. Remember that Andy Griffith episode? And they cleaned everything up before Aunt B got home. Then they said, oh, no, she'll think we can't live without her or we can live without her. So they mess everything up again. That was always my strategy. Look at me, I'm a mess without you, right? <laughs> Yeah, laziness was my motivation. If I know that my time is fleeting, if I know that I've got to make the most of the time that I have, if I've got to make the most of now, I want to do something. I don't want to just know information in my head. I want to do something. And hopefully all of these passages that we've covered, all these books that we've covered, all this Bible that we've covered, hopefully we're doing something with it. Because if not, James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Here the Lord has commanded blessing. When we are doers of the word. I do not care one iota how much of the Bible you know. I do care how much of the Bible you're doing. Same for me. Quote me all the scriptures you want. I'm going to watch your life and see if you're doing it. Because that's what it's about. The wolf dressed in sheep's clothing can quote a lot of scriptures. Satan can quote a lot of scriptures more than you can. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What are you doing with the seed that has been sown into your life? That's what I care about. That's what we need to be about. Being doers of the word and not hearers only. And I hope 
you're familiar enough with this passage to know that this is the chief command of the king. This is the main thing that we should be doing as individuals and as a church. And Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to do all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hopefully, you all have heard that before. Hopefully, you remember hearing that before. Because if you've been here any amount of time, you've heard that. Now, let me ask you, what are you doing with it? Wednesday is 2020. I would love to see 2020 be the decade of multiplication for this group of people. I'm not talking about growing Providence Bible Church. I don't give a rip about that. But I am talking about being disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And it just blows up like this crazy pyramid scheme that Jesus has established. Anybody got anybody in your family that's in a pyramid scheme? You're like, oh, I gotta go to Christmas and hear about Tupperware. Tupperware is not a thing anymore, I guess. But it's all they talk about. They're trying to grow their business exponentially. One becomes three, becomes fifteen, becomes 128. I don't know, but there's no rhyme or reason to that. Don't try to figure that out. But that's the goal. That's the goal in discipleship. That's the goal in making disciples, in being a disciple who becomes a disciple who makes disciples and who pours himself into that, those disciples so that they pour themselves into other people who become disciples. And one becomes three, becomes 15, becomes 128, and so on and so forth. I would love to see 2020 and on be the decade of multiplication for your life individually and for this church corporately. And some of you are already doing it. Moms, you're definitely doing it. Be purposeful about it. Dads, husbands, you've got a primary disciple in your spouse and secondary disciples in your children. Really, And I say secondary only because they're next in line, not because they're lesser disciples. Husbands, fathers, make disciples in your family. Moms, make disciples of your kids. But don't be content with just that. There are people sitting here this morning who need what you have. There are people sitting here this morning who are not as far up the road as you are in their parenting, in their spousing, which is not a word, but we'll call it one, in in their knowledge of the Scriptures and how to live them out and how to, to live vocationally for Jesus. There are people sitting here this morning who need that information and they need you to sow it into their lives. Faithfully, life on life, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him. After they were with him, what did he do? He sent them out. And where did he send them to? All nations. This is not about Beckley only. This is not about your house only. 
This is about equipping and mobilizing the saints to impact the ends of the earth until the end of time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which also makes it very important that what you're sharing is gospel-centered. Not just good advice. Not just how to store your Tupperware. That's okay. Why Tupperware? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Tupperware this morning. But it has to be centered around, soaked in the gospel. Your spousing, your parenting, your vocation have to be soaked, saturated with the gospel. And that's what you're passing on to people. Teaching them to observe what? All that I commanded you. The apostolic teaching, Christ to the apostles, the apostles to the world. And where's that found? It's in the scriptures. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know the Bible well enough. Sit down and read it with somebody. Ask questions to each other. Find answers. Go to people in this place. I'm telling you, and I said it one Wednesday night, we need to be a people who are seeking other people out saying, teach me what you know. I see what you are doing, and I want to do what you are doing. I want to parent like you. I want to be a wife or a husband like you. I want to work like I see you work. I want to hug people and care about people like I see you hugging and caring about people. Teach me what that's all about. And you, the older generation needs to be teaching the younger generation. That's biblical, right? Older men teaching younger men. Older women teaching younger women. It's biblical. And you're like, I just don't have time. Yes, you do. You do. A five-minute video conference chat FaceTime thing. A text message. Sitting down for coffee once a month. Meeting here and sitting down back there and eating lunch with the person that's discipling you or that you're discipling. Went to a Herb Hodges um, meeting long time ago at Camp Sumatonga, Alabama. Yeah, that's a mouthful. And Herb Hodges taught, and I know you're like, why do you keep talking about him? Because he impacted my life. He pointed me to Jesus. I've never been around anybody in my life that was more like Jesus than Herb Hodges. And it impacts you. Changes you. But at that conference, it was a, a two or three day thing. We stayed overnight. And I'm telling you, there were pockets of men everywhere I went meeting with their discipler. A man sitting in a rocking chair and four or five men gathered around him in a circle listening to him and him speaking the very words of God into their lives. And I mean, it was everywhere you went. You saw these pockets of men teaching men, discipling men, discipling and being discipled. And it was beautiful. Do that. Do it on purpose. Make a plan to do it. And ask God to help you do it because He said, I'm with you always. Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me, so you go, you make disciples, you teach, you baptize, and I'm with you. Here, the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore through the words, through the life, through the very presence of Christ in us and through us. is what we talked about last week. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And it's not just for you. God doesn't deposit the glory of Christ in you so that you can say, oh, I got it. He gives you the glory of Christ so that you can say, oh, I want to give it. I want to do it. And if you don't have a desire to do that, you need to be on your face before God saying, God, give me the desire to pour my life into other people. Send me one person, God, that I can pour my life into. Let's start there. God, send me one. I don't know everything. I don't do everything right, but I want to get better. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's what doing the Bible is all about. So know your time is fleeting. Do what the Scripture says. And finally, be. You want to know how to do this? you got to be this. Luke, when he preached one, two, three weeks ago now, which is crazy to think about, was in John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was incarnated. The Word became flesh. And you know what? That's still the pattern today. This is not just about transferring information. It is life on life, me pouring my life into you, my life becoming a part of your life, and you taking that life and pouring it into somebody else. And where did it start? It started with the Word becoming flesh. And so this pattern of doing what we're talking about in the Scriptures is incarnational. The Word puts on flesh. And the flesh shares the Word. And the Word puts on flesh. And the flesh shares the Word. And the Word becomes, you see? You can't just do it. You've got to be it. Paul says it this way. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in the Bible, practice these things. No? What you have learned and received and heard and seen in Charles Stanley. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What you have seen me be. You. They learned from Him. They received from Him. They heard what He said. They saw what He did. And Paul said, do what you see me being. Be what you see me being. Now let me ask you a question. Who would say that to anybody in this room this morning? That's the goal. And by the power of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, you can say this. You can be this. To look somebody in the face and say what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. Again, parents, if you can't say that to your children, something's wrong. And they're going to be it anyway. So be it on purpose. Be it biblically. Incarnate the Word of God. 
to your family, to your church, to the people that you are discipling or being discipled by. Because what you know becomes what you do, and what you do becomes what you are, which is another form of be. What we know we do, and what we are doing we are being. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, do these things. And the Lord commands the blessing here. Listen, this is, listen to this last clause. And the God of peace will be with you. Sounds a lot like what Jesus said, right? And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There the Lord has commanded the blessing. What is the blessing? Him with us. What did we just celebrate at Advent? Emmanuel, God with us. And God manifesting His life, His word, His power through us. That's the hope of glory. But we, I'm afraid, are like me. And we're so sad about what has been. And we're not excited enough about what can be. For Jesus Christ to look us in the face, so to speak, through the Scripture and say, I'm with you always. For God to grab us by our face and say, I'm going to be with you. Should excite us about the future. Should excite us about the 20s. We should hear something like the decade of multiplication and not go, oh. We should go, wow, this is possible. Because with God, all things are possible. And He has commanded the blessing here. As you be what He has commanded you to be, what He has empowered you to be, what He has called you to be. Second Timothy 2. One through two. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, who, by the way, is in us. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The word became flesh, became the word, became flesh, became the word, became flesh. From me to you, to faithful men who teach others also. Ad nauseum until we see Jesus face to face. You say, but I can't do it. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I promise you, Timothy was saying the same thing you're thinking and saying. I can't do this. Where's Paul? I need Paul here. And Paul says, you be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And you entrust what I entrusted to you. Entrust that to faithful men and make sure that they entrust it to Faithful men also. I have seen good, faithful, direct discipleship and I have failed to see that second generation come so many times. And if the second generation doesn't come, guess what else doesn't come? The third generation, the fourth generation, the fifth generation. We start out with good intentions and we're like, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to work with somebody and we're going to meet and we're going to talk about the Bible and we're going to incarnate the Word. And it doesn't go any further. Why? Either we weren't entrusting, maybe we weren't being, maybe we weren't doing, maybe we weren't with faithful people. All that's a possibility. That's why this blueprint here is discipleship 101. 
God, send me one faithful person and strengthen me by the grace that is in Christ Jesus that I might be faithful with them. I read a story that teachers in Brazil don't get their final grade until their students take their first test. And the student's first test determines the grade of a teacher. How well are you teaching what you have been taught? How well are you being what you were taught and shown to be? Where is the second and third and fourth and fifth generations? Let me tell you what. I know between Andrew and Hamlet and Moon and myself at the time that we were in that building up here on, in Harper Park and talking about what this was all about and merging these two people, these two uh, churches together, we weren't just thinking about ourselves. We weren't just saying we want to do something that we like. We hoped to merge two bodies into one that would be a legacy type of thing for our kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. Our eyes weren't just on 2013. We're 2020. How well have we known, done, and been in that time? It's not about a grade, I don't guess. It's not about quantifying that. But I want to charge you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You, individually, us corporately. That we might know that our time is brief. What did we talk about the first week of Advent? Jesus could come back today. Right now. Well, He ain't. Well, expectation, right? The Word became flesh. His name is still wonderful. And Jesus Christ in me is still the only hope of glory that I have. In 2019 and 2020 and on into eternity. Know that. Do that. And chiefly be that. That's what matters. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have always been and will always be faithful. Steve read this morning that the name written on Christ at the second coming is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Another name is Faithful and True. And you have engraved our names on the very palms of your hand. We could not be any more part of you than we are. And you could not be any more part of us than you are. And that was your plan from eternity past. And it will carry through into eternity future. You are faithful. You are true. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. And we do not go forth into this coming year, this coming decade, with things not being known. We know. Help us to do and help us to be what you have called us to do and to be. Based on who you are and what your word has shown us. 
We have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. You are with us to help us be disciples and to make disciples. You are help us. You are here to help us live the life that you would want to live in and through us. So we ask you to do it so that we may be it, God. And we trust you. And we will give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory because it belongs to you and you alone. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this place. Thank you for your word and your spirit. Now God, help us to live it out. Even as we go back here and sit down and eat, may we eat and drink to your glory and our good. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and receive a benediction? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed. Stay neat with us if you can, though.